Hello and welcome. This is Don't Worry, It's Not Just You. My name is Phoebe Paradise and I hope this email finds you well. My guest today is the gorgeous, sweet and super talented Sajun Rai, whose work I've admired from afar for some time now. He's a UK-based artist whose illustrations depict a gorgeously saturated science fiction fantasy universe that references his South Asian heritage and leans away from the often Eurocentric depictions of the genre. It is truly beautiful stuff. We had a very, very good time talking bulk crap about freelancing, the comic book world, and how to balance being nice and normal on the internet. If anyone works out how to do that, please let me know. My email is open. to another episode of Don't Worry, It's Not Just You, the first and only podcast on planet Earth that is brave enough to explore the weird, wild and bewildering world of freelancing, side hustling and monetized hobbies. To help me on my quest to make sense of this so-called creative gig economy, I am joined by an artist whose work I absolutely adore. He's an incredible illustrator and published comic artist whose CV includes working with DC, but I know him best for his series of work that reformats original haikus into brilliant artistic compositions. His work has been described by Culture Vulture as weird and wonderful things for weird and wonderful people. I'm so pleased to have him on the pod today. Welcome Sajan Rai. Hello, darling. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> my Thank first time so on a much. podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you don't you dare apologize. Thank you so, so much for joining me. Oh, I did read somewhere that you began your haiku series when stuck working in a normie job. Been oh. there, but <laughs> in an attempt to stay sane during long shifts, we got to do what we got to do. <laughs> Can I ask how has your approach kind of changed since then? Oh, that's, um, yeah, that's extremely true. And I think, yeah, that project did start with me on my lunch breaks, um, thumbnailing these little things, um, then staying up all night drawing them and sort of doing them almost daily. Um, and then going into work the next day, having not slept and just being terrible at my job. So <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Um, but... <laughs> Can I ask what the, the day job was? I, I don't really know what I was meant to be doing. <laughs> I was very, very bad at my job. I, it was an office job. George it's, Costanza. It was 100% George Costanza. Um, <laughs> just looking busy and stressed all the time. Um, no, I was dealing with financial data, but quite badly. And I would make about 
20 mistakes every day. Um, and someone would kind of come up to me and sort of say, um, I'm sorry, but I, I just had to spend an hour getting someone there 300 pounds back. Could you, um, just not, oh, can you not just mess this up? <laughs> oh, so, oh God, I'm getting sweaty. Just thinking it's... about it. You yeah, are literally it describing <laughs> the last office jobs that I managed to hang on to. It's like mm. <laughs> someone would I... come up and like gently tap you on the shoulder and be like, please step away from the computer. <laughs> Pretty much. I think they were relieved when I quit. Uh, they, I think they meant to give a week's notice, but they just let me go on the day. <laughs> They're just like, oh, you can just yeah. go home. Just go home now. <laughs> no, and he I, never looked back. Yeah. It's no, I think um, my approach when I started that project was to learn how to draw digitally. Um, like completely digitally, because I hadn't done that before. Um, and it was a nice sort of exercise into doing that. And with each piece, I would try and experiment a bit, um, try something new, uh, try and replicate traditional media. I quite enjoy doing that. Um, How did you find that, like going from uh, purely hand-drawn work to to digital? I found it really tricky. It is, and I was yeah, I only had like a, I didn't, never had a screen uh, tablet until a couple of years ago. So I think back then it was approaching it in a way that wasn't the same as drawing traditionally uh, i would you know utilize um different tools so like the lasso tool on photoshop which lets you draw shapes more than line work um i think that's quite a useful tool to approaching digital work um rather than going for the sort of pencil ink coloring thing sort of almost starting with the colors and then working backwards and color is like such an incredibly gorgeous feature of your work of course like you know guilty i'm a huge fan (laughs) i've been like waiting for the opportunity to have you on this podcast so we can like i can bully you into telling me all of your secrets um the color is incredible and i i think that like one thing that really stands out to me about your work is uh if if i could be so bold as to to make a bunch of judgment calls on your work i would <laughs> love to do. i get this feeling you know with each of your pieces they're sort of like these like discovered artifacts like they all feel like really textured they feel hand-drawn they don't feel like digital works um something that i don't know any artists listening like it's really fucking hard to do that (laughs) to like make something feel physical and real rather than just like oh here are the same like three procreate brushes that everyone else i see on Mm. twitter using you know so you know it's yeah it's got this cool like lost artifact vibe and i think they said in one of your interviews and it really resonated with me and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this this idea of your work uh being like deconstructed non-linear science fiction you know we're kind of intentionally left on the outside sort of like learning about another dimension through these like left behind little artifacts through like leaflets and textbooks and artworks and and poetry i would love to hear about this fantasy world that you created okay yeah um i think the sort of larger idea is that they're all written and told by the same narrator and it's a way for this narrator to describe their world and things that's happened so history hearsay um, <laughs> that kind of thing i really like the idea of an unreliable <laughs> narrator who might say gossip as, as people do with stories um 
and is the case with you know folk tales and just you know stuff that uh, an anecdote your friend might tell you it's, it does change over time but uh, certain details might be inconsistent and i have quite a lot of fun with that when if i might have a recurring character or scene i would just drawing it in a completely different style um and approaching a different manner even tone um because yeah things are quite subjective like that um even from the viewpoint of one person it's also um i think i have a very poor attention span and <laughs> which it, it means that when i draw a comic i will have a whale of a time if i draw it in an hour <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. or, a very, mm-hmm. or a weekend or something um, but if I have to sort of you know spend a long time on each page and write the story and plan it out um, if it's not just a stream of consciousness mess it's normally quite hard for me to do and this is almost a way for me to create stories in a way that I can maybe revisit an idea later if I want to or I can just let this um, little scene sit and just be its own thing. Um, it gives me that chance to sort of build upon stuff later on. So it's it's mostly convenience for me. Convenience. I like to think of it as working to your strengths. I totally understand yeah. that that thought process of like, if it's not done today, it won't happen. It's like, oh, mm. I'll either reply to an email within 20 seconds or you will not hear from me in two months. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I do my best to reply to the email within 20 seconds. <laughs> we know our flaws. We can work with <laughs> within the boundaries that we set for each other. Super wrapped, I think, um, because I do try and do all of them in just sort of one sitting. If that makes sense. Just I don't like to, you should see my unfinished folders. They're just... <laughs> I definitely have more unfinished pieces than I have pieces. <laughs> if I sort of have to spend more than one day on something, I'm just like, oh, I'm just never going to finish this. Oh, well. <laughs> so in the graveyard it goes. The uh, Procreate app on my iPad mm. has just some of the most haunted sketches you've ever <laughs> seen in your life. Just like basically the digital version of like scrunched up pieces of paper mm. <laughs> you know just like furiously tossed to the other end I of the room of <laughs> it's i think it's important to have that though um i think with posting stuff on social media i, I do tend to post stuff that i'm only very very happy with and that is you know like maybe okay not one percent but it's a very small percentile of what i actually draw and i think that's important for artists to know is that <laughs> They draw a lot of crap, and most artists do. Um, Wait, are you trying to say that when I see those visual art diaries or sketchbooks like <laughs> posted on TikTok, and they are like the most gorgeous things you've ever seen, it sends me into a depressive spiral <laughs> because it's like the most beautifully planned artists. A lot of the time, maybe this is like possibly misrepresenting the way that maybe. artists it's, work. I'm beginning to yeah. suspect. <laughs> It's I all actually, smoke it's, and mirrors. <laughs> it's hilarious to bring that up because I, I did see um, there was actual Twitter discourse about that today, I think. Or yesterday, I don't know. Every couple of weeks, doesn't mm-hmm. it? People be like, how dare you <laughs> post your clean journal yeah. on Instagram? And it's like, I mean, look, I get it. It's misrepresentative. I wish I could do it, <laughs> but I can't. I know this about myself. But, you know, it's just content, baby. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's, a, it's one of those things where 
I don't particularly mind if people do that. It's it, like you say, it is misrepresentative, but um, it's also you know it's their way of showing their art. Um, some people just sketch like that. Um, it's it's fine. <laughs> did you go to art school? I did. I studied illustration, and before that, I couldn't draw at all. <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, I <laughs> I think I've been drawing since. You know, as long as I can remember. Yeah, I started illustration and animation as well. No kidding. Like Sam did too. Like our, yeah. our mate Sam. You know yeah. Sam McKenzie, right? Yeah. I mean, we follow each other. Um, and I, yeah, love his work. Um, I sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember listening to that podcast. And uh, after you'd invited me to be on here, I'm just thinking, I'm just going to say exactly the same stuff. <laughs> That is this all that I like to hear. <laughs> uh, quite relieving to hear as well, uh, because I don't know. I feel like the, the reason why I asked about whether you went to to uni or not was because I remember, like, I went to TAFE for like a year, and I was like too much of a drop kick, too drunk, too much <laughs> of an idiot, and I, I dropped out. But I remember there was this one student who was in my class who I adored. Like, she was amazing. But she just was one of those people who work like that. She just had the most like flawless sketchbook. Like mm. every time she put pen to paper, it was the most like well thought out line ever. I would love to one day meet someone like that again and pick their brains and to know mm. what it's like <laughs> to be God's chosen one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I was saying before, like I think people just do sketch differently and um a sketch doesn't always have to be representational and um, the act of sketching is going to mean different things to different people. So in some people's case, it's creating something beautiful um, and that's wonderful. Um, and maybe that's... The face you, know, you just pulled. Yeah. <laughs> that's a wonderful... Like, oh, your foot must be fucking nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that's fine but uh it's wonderful if you're a sicko uh <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i think for some other people uh just you know uh quantity over quality is also that's kind of my <laughs> approach of sketching generating ideas um and yeah i think sometimes i show people like my thumbnails and pencils for work i've done and it's very very bad it's very i'll show you some later it's objectively bad drawings they're not good <laughs> they're not representational <laughs> no no it is just pure like chaos on a page we can yeah. we can do like a little swap maybe um after yeah. this <laughs> i'll show you mine if you show me yours <laughs> Dregs. Uh. so just going back briefly to this this idea of doing these in, impossibly beautiful compositions of this fantasy world told through the eyes of like a, what do you call it, an unreliable narrator. In your mind, as the, not only the narrator, but the creator of this world, mm -hmm. do you have this sort of fully formed idea of this universe? Like, do you have like a narrative in mind and we're only seeing little peaks of it? Or is it that you're discovering it as you create it? It's definitely both of those things um so like yeah on my patreon i think plenty of them are public posts as well um when i'll post a process uh, of a piece i'll often talk about how it might relate to another piece and 
stories that have come up with uh, and sometimes elaborate um I think even on there, like I probably don't elaborate as much as I could just because, you know, I want people to actually read this stuff. <laughs> don't want to write like paragraphs and paragraphs of just uh, <laughs> terrible prose. But but no, it's definitely, I think with each piece I do, I sort of start to create little stories um, and that normally informs, yeah, future pieces. And so it's kind of a sort of never-ending project in that way. Um but I think part of the joy of keeping a lot of that in my head is that it won't presumably uh, get sort of too repetitive or tired. Um, I can keep sort of, I can keep um, <laughs> accessing those uh, previous bits of narrative as well as creating new things and the the two worlds can kind of exist simultaneously like the one that you've created that we get to see and like mm. the one that's sort of like emerging as you're as you're kind of working on yeah. God, i'm it reminds me of this idea of like the the best horror movies are the ones where you don't get to see them oh sorry the scariest oh, horror movies are the yeah. ones you don't get to see the monster and i wonder if there's like a parallel to fantasy concepts generally speaking like you don't want to over explain it you don't want like yeah. glop shitter you know <laughs> no I, I i really um i know that's kind of a subjective thing because some people really do like things to be over explained but i definitely have always really felt that like i really enjoy the mystery behind things and you know the mechanics of like the idea that there should be mechanics behind magic uh Oh, this really upsets me. <laughs> like, uh... You know, it's not realism, right? Mm. Like, it's it's almost as if, like, unexplainable stuff is more based in realism than the over-explained. Because, like, the average yeah. person doesn't know how every single fucking thing works in the world. Exactly, so, yeah. like, why would you want to enter mm. that, like, as a reader? No, but uh, it's that's a lot better explained than I did. Uh, so that's perfect. I would love to ask you about your experience at comic and art conventions i used to do like the convention circuit when i worked the booth for an animation college that i used to work at oh nice and that shit was like the wild west i swear to god <laughs> like horny unbelievably cashed up nerds that had the freedom to finally be like social like unshackled mm. from the stresses of high school I remember one year I was like working this booth and there were like teenagers like fucking in the toilets. There's like <laughs> furries everywhere. There's like just like these <laughs> untested social skills being sort of like let oh. loose in the wild for the first time. Um, maybe that's like a bit too of an <laughs> exaggeration, but you know what I'm getting at. It's it's a strange place with like these really odd like social nuances. Yeah, it's a very unique atmosphere. It is, yes. Uh, like, very hormonally charged one, I've, I've <laughs> yeah. found in my experience. Um, I would love to hear your experience uh, from the perspective of an artist who has done the comic circuit a whole bunch. And I've mostly done it in the UK. Um, I've done a couple in Sweden and one in... I went to all the way to Vancouver, BC, um, which was lovely. Oh, and Helsinki as well, uh, Finland. But That's incredible. Did you travel out there to... Like, did they... Have you out there or do you have to sort no, of I make just, your um, way out? So I had a friend in California and I thought it'd be a fun excuse to sort of 
go up the west coast and then end my trip with the, the comic con so i could make back some money <laughs> from my holiday so was, like a uh, band <laughs> yeah exactly um and that's kind of how i with friends and stuff when we traveled for conventions um it's kind of how you treat it in a way um you know it's just an excuse to sort of see a place um walk around a bit and it's yeah it's always i think even in the uk you know i wasn't very traveled like i'd never been to scotland and stuff like that before doing comic conventions and it was just a nice excuse to see other parts of the country um and did you find sort of uh like you, when you would do these conventions were you like hanging out with people that you already knew or was it just like meeting new people did you have fans yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I think that was a really weird thing I mean really I say weird it's it's actually really lovely like um I think the first ever comic convention I did you know I was selling just photocopied just scenes my drawings were very bad back then they weren't good um I was only drawing in black and white for years as well um I made a zine uh full of comics about people dying <laughs> um, very like goth kind of concept Sick. Of, like, yeah ver varying humor as well like just kind of some of them were just not funny at all others are like you know kind of humor comics um just all thrown together <laughs> just like a really sad comic <laughs> really disturbing comic really funny comic just um but yeah my first comic convention like somebody yeah sent me an email just saying hey i bought this comic and i just you know, really really loved it and that was deeply motivating i think just having that kind of uh, response and i think going to these things did really um and having that sort of uh face to face with people and seeing people enjoy my work definitely it helps you kind of definitely helped me grow as an artist um sort of i think especially with the way i tend to work like now it's very um when you just go inward into yourself and don't oh yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you, go, like... you go to the goblin world <laughs> yeah i just uh, retreat into myself and just uh ignore the outside um and I think it's good that I wasn't able to do that at comic conventions and I had people looking at my work and telling me what they thought of it, <laughs> that kind of thing. Wow. Um, really putting yourself out there. Hey, like that is, you're at the mercy and whim of the, yeah. like you're <laughs> no. in retail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? um, I mean, it's a yeah, very, like very kind retail where people are nice to you. Um, so I think it's, it's a way to, um, I think with uh, even the kind of, boring stuff like marketing and things it's weirdly useful what was your first convention like what year did you did you start doing it i think it was maybe 2013 no it was actually just before that it was 2012 because i was still at university yeah so it was eight or ten years ago jesus I, I got one of those prompts late uh, recently on instagram that was like post a photo of you 10 years ago and i was like uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> it happened <laughs> <laughs> suddenly 2012 was 10 years ago yeah uh were you doing the circuits right up until covid yeah i was um weirdly enough like i think i did actually need a bit of a break from conventions whilst i miss parts of it i'm actually not rushing to get back okay, can i, I ask what changed i think traveling a lot and that kind of thing um just being around people <laughs> just uh crowds and things um 
no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so fair. They are like chaotic uh, spaces. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, one of my most recent guests, Katrina, who I was telling you about, mm. the animator, she has this thesis that furries and not safe for work artists um Hmm. are like the chads of the art world these guys (laughs) like the fucking gordon geckos that are making like squillions of dollars behind the scenes we don't even get to see the world that they are Mm. living in like completely different i'm curious as to whether those worlds sort of collide a little bit like in in those spaces i think they i mean I feel like I know some, I don't know if they'd call themselves furry artists, but they dabble, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, um, sorry. It's a bit of a loaded term now, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, I don't know how to, uh, whether, you know, to say uh, you're a furry artist. It's a slur. <laughs> it's, it's a slur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it sounds like, you know, one of them applied for a furry con and it sounded like a whole other application process, like just very different and exclusive so I think you're right. It's like, it's almost, it is the upper, upper levels of society. Uh, yeah. These dudes are like popping champagne and shit. And we're just like scrounging together our coins yeah. for the bus. All these uh, oligarchs and stuff have like oil paintings of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. This guy's like the hardest working artist in the game. You know, you've got Ko-Fi, he's got Patreon, he's got Procreate brush sets of which I have bought two. He's got imprint, comics, books, commissions, the online store. You've got like 6,000 different streams of income going on. And this would be like a point of discourse, I guess, in, in art Twitter, but I guess just with artists generally. Is this just kind of what's necessary now for artists to make a living in 2022. Do you need all of this to to live? I'm asking for myself, by the way, because I am holding on by a thread over here. <laughs> it's, yeah, it helps me personally because I want to do as little other things as possible. Um, I think with doing even commercial work and stuff, a lot of my clients are more like independent uh, publishers and things or like um, relatively small which is great for me because they tend to be a lot nicer to work with um <laughs> like i think the bigger the company is the work less less unprofessional they are. um yeah <laughs> but it does mean that things like coffee uh, etc um i think for ages I, I didn't get much traffic on there but you know i'm glad i made one because when it came to something like the brush sets um i didn't really know where to put them and i just happened to put them on there and it was uh, incredibly useful for me same with patreon that it's just it's just a useful thing to have um and even if you ma- even if you make like one dollar a month that's yeah that's something isn't it <laughs> um, it's, it's an opportunity to have uh, people support you and uh yeah it is it, it's quite exhausting to have to have all these different things and sort of know the ins and outs of them how do you juggle it all? I try to set aside a day. I think I mentioned earlier, I pretty poor concentration. So left to my own devices, I will just sit and draw for hours. I try to schedule my day by hour. So that includes things like eating and um, <laughs> relaxing. 
<laughs> I'm picturing that episode of The Simpsons where the Simpsons go to stay at Ned's place and he's got post-it notes on everything. Yeah. Well, diddly elcom Simpsons. Oh, jeez. He actually wrote diddly. That was thoughtful. I left a few helpful notes around our house. Oh, God. Put food in me. I'll take that. Fill me with water. <laughs> with what, Ned? <laughs> <laughs> 100% identify with that my um like it is very difficult to uh what's the word multitask I mean it's not even mm. multitasking anymore it's like fucking four-dimensional chess multitasking <laughs> like you know not only having to kind of keep up with the schedule mm. of managing all of these platforms but also understanding the tech understanding how to use the, these completely different interfaces like keeping on top of customer messages and mm. all that kind of stuff it's a lot of work and you've got to somehow also uh make art in the middle of that something that i am very impressed by with your output because <laughs> i find it very hard to after all of this stuff just draw like that is the thing that i find yeah. it hardest to to find the time for if you want to be kind of making this sort of like shoestring empire as an artist like with all of these platforms it seems like by the end of the day there's no time to do the thing that you want to do you're my therapist today (laughs) (laughs) it's 8 p.m this is the latest that i've done an episode and we're getting dark today guys (laughs) you know how, how do you find time to to manage are you a night owl like is that how you schedule schedule your yeah, work yeah it's that's an interesting one because i have very mixed sleeping patterns but what i've found is that i tend to work best when i either stay up incredibly late or i wake up incredibly early um, and i think i do really enjoy those that stretch of time between maybe midnight and six seven a.m where yeah you, you're largely uninterrupted and things are quiet um, and you're able to just zone in on your work there's that but I think also when you can when you're able to have a full day where you know you don't have to maybe update a post or you know do that kind of thing yeah it's, you're able to sort of sit and draw and concentrate which is why yeah, I do tend to like lump all these admin things together into maybe one day and just get it out of the way um or just ignore it, you know, just don't do it. <laughs> just be bad at that stuff. Uh, Fuck, that's good <laughs> advice, honestly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess do your taxes and uh, make All right, sure... Nobody who listens to this podcast <laughs> has done their taxes. It's been like three years, I reckon, for like a good 90% of the listeners. <laughs> the four people listening to this right now are like... Don't you say the word tax to me, motherfucker. Don't you, <laughs> don't you like the most triggering word <laughs> any artist can hear. I think there is like definitely a lot of importance placed on maintaining all these sort of social network or plat- tech platform presences. But I think that is on a spectrum. And if you want to be marketing heavy with your work, that does, yeah, that does eat into time and stuff. So there's... You do get these artists on, like, Twitter who just post images, but, like, not saying anything. And that's their entire feed. It's just, they just post their work. <laughs> and it's, you know, they, I imagine they do lose out on certain forms of income 
doing that but then they're, they're normally incredible pieces of work and uh, i think finding a sort of sweet spot in between just doing that and also sort of saying hey here's my patreon <laughs> is finding a sweet spot that's comfortable for you and also feels like it's um this is very unhelpful advice because it's just <laughs> it's finding this impossible uh, yeah <laughs> but i think it is important to distinguish those two ends of the spectrum recognize that those are two different working styles too right yeah and that there's no real right or wrong like you can't you know you do have to promote and let people know about these things and i definitely i don't think i do that enough um uh, to bring up Sam McKenzie, who's going to hate how much I'm talking about him on this episode, <laughs> um, that we we have these two very different, like we're like the polar opposite of mm. the, the, the those two schools of thought. Uh, Sam is all about the you know nothing but artistic output, mm. doesn't really put much of himself out there online, versus me who can't shut up and posts very little artwork online because I'm too busy like managing all of the other stuff around it like this hell that I've created for myself <laughs> um so you know like but but you know each of us have success from doing those two very disparate styles but exactly. the 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 success is just like mm. different kinds of work that comes out of it I don't know no I think it, <laughs> I don't think it makes sense I think uh, because you work with so many different things as well that um that's gonna add it's just necessary as well um there's a lot more hands-on things i've sort of stopped producing anything physical uh, i just <laughs> make these digital <laughs> images of just uh, was there a turning point where like have you done like much merchandise or product done lots of that stuff it's i think it is just pandemic like um i don't I just don't want to go to the post office <laughs> so yeah I, I think that's honestly the main reason i've stopped producing physical stuff it's like it means i don't have to go to the post office as much um so i still sell my prints because i can use the post box uh, <laughs> yeah that's i, it. To to I can anyone. just walk down the end of your street yeah do you think you could uh see yourself entering my guest last week we were talking about the idea of digital product in uh the dreaded metaverse that that is um <laughs> you know uh, supposedly coming our way whether we like it or not mm. i i'm curious as to whether that's that's true um but do could you see yourself going down that path into more sort of digital assets and like 3d oh, absolutely not <laughs> i think no i <laughs> <laughs> feeling a bit ill <laughs> i you know i think i i've thought about this quite a bit um and the idea of a future where you know people artists are just practically just forced to either participate or just be on the complete outskirts and i'll choose outskirts any day just to <laughs> be a just i i also don't see it really being it's just not going to work like <laughs> i think at the end of the day, like most people just want a picture and they want to give someone money to get the picture. So they're just going to do that. They're not going to faff around with <laughs> like, uh, signing up to a cryptocurrency and learning whether it's the right one and then finding out that I don't use that one. So they have to use some conversion thing and just, I don't know. Where we, I, I know I overestimate how sort of digital literacy of people in our generation because 
I think of myself as not being very good with tech and computers. But then, you know, I'll meet people younger than me who just know less and don't care. <laughs> they just don't really want to know. And it's, I think about that and I think just, it's not going to be pop, like, people don't want this. And it's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I think I'll get by fine, just scribbling little pictures for people. <laughs> the, the It's possible that maybe like the, the younger generation will eventually get into it, but there'll always be a market for traditional art and traditional commissions and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, though, I don't know if you saw... Bring this up real quick. I'd love mm. to see what you think about it. There's just this conversation reminded me of this article that I saw. In fact, it was a, a sponsored post that popped up on Instagram mm. that kind of like chilled me to the bone <laughs> in a way that I uh, wasn't quite prepared for. So you may have seen this before. This is an article that is called The Prequel App is Yassifying Our Selfies into Hot Cartoons. Help, my cartoon selfie is hotter than me. <laughs> Have you seen this? Uh, I haven't seen this article. It sounds delightful. (laughs) (laughs) So if you are in need of a massive ego boost, this is your sign to turn yourself into a cartoon. Twitter is currently full of people who are discovering the glorious effects of the cartoon filter on the editing app prequel. The free app takes any existing photo and turns it into a cartoon. Simple, right? The cartoon animation effect isn't a new idea, but something about prequels version makes literally any photo a million times hotter. (laughs) What do you think of this stuff, man? Uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) I love the the guy in the top middle has a really, like, please kind of like... (laughs) The guy from Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda face. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, the kids are calling DreamWorks face. <laughs> I've, I've I've seen this kind of stuff before, hundred um, percent. I think, luckily, for is this like one reason why I'm kind of glad I don't draw much realist stuff or that kind of cartoony DreamWorks style because I don't really have to <laughs> like worry about this infringing on my art or like my career. It's just. It's just kind yes. of like, oh, okay, that's. <laughs> I guess it's a cartoon. <laughs> it's just kind of. Oh, it's it's really confusing because it's like, so basically for listeners, um, it's this you know prequel. It's like an editing app for Instagram photos. Effectively, you know, you pop your photo through a filter, out comes the other end something gorgeous. And this specific app is effectively turning your photo into like this very specific style of illustration that's quite popular on Twitter. And I want to almost call it like the procreate artist (laughs) kind of art. It's very aesthetic. It's very like soft and glowy and like weeby um, and like, um, yeah fair like i see this stuff and it kind of makes my gut turn a little bit because i wonder you know in order for these kind of programs to exist they need to feed the ai program with something yeah 
and I wonder how many artists work have been and will be you know mm. kind of used to create these sorts of filters in the future you know we see in like a lot of kind of new tech like artist work are always the first to be pillaged with impunity we've seen that with nft mm. uh platforms like artist work getting stolen all the time and there's absolutely no recourse for it it's kind of like this frightening thing but AI is kind of a tricky one because you don't get to see the artwork being taken. You don't get to see yeah, what's a... being used and fed into the machine. You just see the product on the other side of it. But you could sort of argue that it's just as kind of creepy and plagiaristic. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it definitely is. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's. I think you're completely right. Uh, in, in one way, it's also, I think with social media, it is um, interesting seeing how even without AI, certain art styles uh even without social media like certain art styles do develop from a bit of i have seen some artists actually complain about this um like i just remember once doing some digging once and uh just someone sort of saying like oh i don't know just that their style had been kind of imitated so relentlessly that even their imitators sort of have imitators and that kind of thing and it's just again that's kind of a spectrum like there's normal inspiration but i think maybe it's a bit weirder when somebody's developed certain uh, techniques to their, you know, composition or whatever um, that is important to them both, like personally and financially. <laughs> uh, and I think that's it's a very murky kind of waters where something is inspiration and where it's yeah just kind of copying in a way that's a bit uncool. Yeah, this seems to be <laughs> this is uh, you know objectively just. <laughs> copying in a way that's uncool because it's just a robot taking other people's art uh, well a robot can't even interpret can it it can only copy so it should know. be punished though it should punish the robot take one to oh, court boston <laughs> dynamics style yes <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think it is about time we move on to our uh, next segment of the podcast. Sajan, I like to ask my guests to share a tale from their careers where things may have not always gone to plan. And I am so deeply intrigued by the teaser that you sent me here. I was a ghost artist for a vanity project. <laughs> Sajana, oh my God. Um, what do these words mean? This sounds evil. I, I have to know more. I need to talk about this in a way where it's not specific. It's, I mean, it's not like it was, it was never a huge, it's not a huge project or anything. It's just, you know, you've got to be wary. <laughs> but I was essentially, and technically this wasn't actually maybe freelancing I was actually in employment, um, I think. I don't know how legal it was. Um, <laughs> essentially, I was in a tiny office with my mm -hmm. boss who would tell me to draw things and I would just draw them. And they were really, <laughs> it's just like, uh, largely like textile design. And, you know, I was basically not credited for any of it, which is, you know, it was fine. It was agreed upon. But it was, I think the environment was... <laughs> It was a very small office and just uh, sort of me doing the work and um, just getting heckled constantly <laughs> by my boss, who I, I wasn't quite clear what she was 
doing um the rest of the time i know it was kind of like you know i was hired to you know do her art while she got back into the business but i yeah presumably admin stuff but then she did hire someone to do the admin stuff for a while <laughs> as well i was like what, what is this operation you were hired by a person to do just, artwork just draw things for fashion was it for fashion or was it for i, I that's where it gets blurry because <laughs> uh i think it was um but then sometimes i'd design like greetings cards and things and it was never uh, nothing i did was good enough ever <laughs> like, uh it, it was kind of yeah i'd sort of draw something that i thought was good and then berated and uh told to change it oh until it was God. just this kind of <laughs> very strange design that i thought i can't use this for portfolio work <laughs> I, but this is what we've agreed upon and it's the end of the day so that's that's oh the work God. i'm trying to keep it uh vague but i think there's just one just one strange <laughs> incident i can't like not describe which is that it's like a valentine's day card with chipmunks on it and she's like oh yeah i want you to put uh she's american <laughs> it's like I, I want you to put some uh, little chipmunks having you know like a little date on it like a sweet valentine's card so i you know i drew that she's like yeah so Americans are very conservative, Sanjan. You've got to put clothes on the chipmunks. <laughs> they can't be naked. Oh my god. I was like, isn't that just weirder that they have to be clothed? <laughs> like, they're just chipmunks. <laughs> yeah, like putting, like, we're creating a rule here by adding clothes yeah. that there's like anatomically <laughs> exactly. correct genitalia underneath <laughs> these clothes. I didn't give You're them abs or anything, happen. I didn't sexualize them. <laughs> hunky so um, what like you, you were doing this for how long too long like maybe a year or two and was this under the guise of it being her artwork was that the idea yeah which is you know thank <gasps> thankfully <laughs> really uh, <laughs> i just it was just it was just a very surreal job and whoa i think the working conditions were maybe not ideal i think just the pay wasn't great and uh, yeah it was like is minimum wage which is not ideal in itself but also it was not only that but it was a minimum wage in london and in london like a lot of i think cities around the world you, you have working wage which is a bit higher than it's just a thing you have to have instead of minimum wage because no one can afford to live in london <laughs> so uh and i think i remember just one time yeah maybe had a just i just completely flipped out and <laughs> asked for a pay rise i just <laughs> couldn't take it anymore kind of thing uh, and is that how but, you lost your job <laughs> no no it's i i just quit after a while because it was um it's, it's a weird one because it almost sounds perfect just being told to draw things but i think the um the sort of micromanaging and um it's just occasional accusations that i was thinking about my own art on the job <laughs> just while i was i'd sort of be drawing what? something that she asked me to draw she'd be like are you, your mind's not quite there, is it, Serge? And you're you're thinking of uh, <laughs> thinking of doing your own projects at home. And I'd be like, no, I'm oh concentrating on the work. So, She's like trying to like micromanage your thoughts as well as yeah, your work. So it was kind of uh, looking back. It was not a <laughs> it's not a good relationship uh, <laughs> were you held prisoner were there door handles on the doors could you escape <laughs> that room <laughs> i was able to escape maybe like it was a weird one because i think in some ways it was a very comfortable job in other ways i think there were a lot of maybe boundary issues that 
made it harder to leave the job. Like, you know, I was also kind of just her shrink. Um, she'd just tell me stuff. Uh... <laughs> Go on. Okay, I've got... <laughs> this happened twice. Twice this happened. She'd come in and just go, oh, sad, and I've got the worst diarrhea today. <laughs> The, the like, like the pronunciation of your name as well as like making this incredibly yeah. funny as well. Um, Sajan, Sajan. Uh, I think uh, bowel was she successful? Was this like a successful business? I have no idea. Um, it was very mysterious to me, and they never they never told you what the website was. They wanted yeah, to keep it like completely separate. And I think you know, I think I did try. I think as a result of like you know just this um, yeah having that lack of boundary did make me like you know care about their work in some ways quite a lot yeah sometimes i'd actually sort of help out in ways that maybe didn't even have to just sort of say i think maybe you shouldn't do this bad idea or like you know just (laughs) you're like i would like to keep my job so please don't tank the business with your shitty decisions (laughs) but this is the trap of working for small business so much of the time isn't it like yeah where you sort of and as someone that has run a small business where I was not exactly the greatest boss of all time as well, like I can recognize these flaws in real time as you're telling me this, but you know, like telling people about this, your diarrhea. This... <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous girls have IBS. <laughs> you know, this thing where you work for a small business and you know, your boss, you know, sort of has this kind of like emotional stranglehold on you because you're in such close proximity because you don't have the distance of like a HR mm. department or whatever, you're sort of, you're, you're put on the spot uh, with like these moral obligations mm. to to your boss and you kind of don't see the goalposts shifting because uh, it happens so incrementally, but then, you know, suddenly you're a year into yeah. ghost arting for uh, <laughs> someone whose business you don't understand mm. <laughs> and then pay minimum wage in London and you're like, how the fuck did this happen? I I'm sure a lot of the listeners would uh, deeply identify with that story. <laughs> Do you still offer your services? Because I am sick of making art, so maybe we <laughs> could work something out. Now you can be... <laughs> can... Phoebe Paradise is about to take a very like drastic aesthetic left turn. <laughs> I would love to do... A... I'd actually, yeah, it'd be, it would be fun to do some um, textile design that was uh, not, you know... <laughs> using my actual skill and knowledge yeah god i didn't even realize that that kind of work really existed i guess like you know you'll have businesses and brands that are sort of like yeah we make coffee mugs we make tea mm. towels we make you know nebulous product and you don't really get to see who creates the artwork behind it but I'd never really put thought into, you know, just this. the the sajans of the world <laughs> stuck in a windowless office doing vector art of some crazy lady. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it makes you think, and I think uh, it's interesting what you're saying before about um how you wonder if you might have been in a similar position on the other end in the past, and it's. Yeah, interesting that you mentioned that because it kind of goes back to what you're saying before about all these admin things um, and how hard that is to keep up as an artist. And I think a fantasy I share with most other artists is the idea of having a an assistant that just does all of that stuff for you. <laughs> um, 
while you can just draw which yeah that's a horrible job like uh, i can't even imagine working for me that would be just nightmarish i think <laughs> just doing all that kind of stuff it, it's almost as if no one is equipped to be a manager you know mm-hmm. what i mean like even even the people who are uh, you know em- empathetic or intelligent or good at what they do it's just like by its nature like not a nice thing to mm. be <laughs> us to our next segment hello fellow demographics stories from the dystopian future the year 2022 where multi-billion dollar corporate conglomerates respond to viral tweets with stuff like yes queen girl bosses stay winning the world is a beautiful place everything is normal and as it should be <laughs> today I bring you a story from the best place on the internet for some of the worst stuff on the internet, twitter.com. <laughs> All right, so this is a tweet that comes from Greg Smallwood. It reads, sad to say that without my approval, Marvel attempted to fix in air quotes, several panels of my art in issue two of Electra, black, white and blood before sending it to the printers. They're not huge changes, but I really don't like my art being tampered with. Long story short, two months after turning in the finished pages, I was informed by my editor that Marvel's standards and practices flagged my art and requested I redraw several panels so that they would be within tolerance for the best representation of Asian characters. My wife and I were expecting our second child the following week and I was racing to finish the issue before the birth so I told Marvel that I didn't have time to make the changes but that I would be perfectly fine with them pulling the story for sensitivity concerns. I was told that pulling the story was not an option and if I couldn't do revisions the Marvel bullpen would take a crack at my pages instead. I stated very clearly that I didn't want anyone touching my art, so I I dropped everything I was doing and immediately reworked all of the panels that were flagged. Unfortunately, I found out yesterday that the folks at Marvel didn't even bother using my new art and instead went to print with their own revised pages. I was not given a chance to make further revisions or even approve the alterations made by the bullpen. They also attempted to cover up some nudity, which just resulted in a muddied mess. Again, this was something that I was willing to fix. I just wanted you all to know because my name is on that comic, but I'm pretty annoyed by how it looks. Um, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) it's, um, man, can you tell me what you're looking at here, please? I... Essentially, it's it's kind of unsurprising in some ways with the way Marvel mm. and Disney have conducted themselves in and Hollywood in general, just with representation, where it's near complete disingenuous. It's just <laughs> it's pure publicity, and um, yeah, in cases like this, um, it's <laughs> kind of like that fear of oh. What if they think this is racist, making a character look Asian? Can't yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, it's weird because kind of rather than do the work of, you know, learning about uh, racial caricatures and stuff, which, 
you know, I think lots of people do mess that up. Um, just it's not just corporations that mess that up. I've seen plenty of, uh, you know, independent artists just be a bit stupid with that. Um, but it, it takes a bit of research. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. not it's not yeah. difficult. Um, how hard is it for a multi-billion-dollar company to fuck up this badly? <laughs> yeah, it's, it makes you wonder, and it's I think just on the level of the artist as well. Um, really treating him as a content creator, like just um, in the sense he's he's not an artist; he's a, a part of this very industrialized machine, and part of that machine is saying we might get some criticism for this, which again I don't quite know why. Um, <laughs> well, so t- for for the audience listening, so this this um this Twitter thread that Greg Smallwood had posted is accompanied by some before and after images that shows the original panels that he'd illustrated, um, followed by what I can only describe as like incredibly crudely edited um, illustrations, like the edits that the the bullpen, as he describes it, had done to these images. And, you know, like effectively, Smallwood had done illustrations of characters, uh, a bullpen had edited features of these characters uh, to, I guess, fit their standards. In doing so, have almost kind of created these, like, quite, like, racist stereotypes. (laughs) Um, They're quite shocking to look at. There's like this horrible kind of uncanny valley looking at these images. They're just like bad. Like they're just like shit drawings. You know what I mean? The main problem with it is like they. I mean, what did you think of the original art? This idea that I think it's pretty good. Uh, It's yeah, it's like nice art. I I think from what I know of uh, you know the racial caricatures of uh, that kind of eyes, like it's not fitting with that and it's normally characterized in a way that's very homogenous like just and i think with his art he's you know shown actual just variety stuff and marvel has thought hmm this just let's make it a bit more like white people eyes <laughs> yes <laughs> which is Wait, we need to add some dreamworks face to this artwork <laughs> yeah and it's I don't know. It's there's something like deeply uncomfortable about that um, in trying to make something palatable by just erasing features. Um, I have yes. a conspiracy theory about like posters as well, like movie posters that ties into this a bit, which is just something I've noticed. I, I mean, but I've never seen movie posters where the I could look at them for briefly and just all the characters look white to me <laughs> they're like all the same color yeah, right. like all the same tone specifically and then when i look at it again i i know you know i know the actors i'm like that actor yeah, yeah. does have darker skin than this actor like but on yeah. the poster that's not the case <laughs> and i, think I there believe is this... it <laughs> yeah I no I, I think there's a trend with these like companies to represent purely on in the most inoffensive way possible because they want to just they want to appease everyone basically and it doesn't come from a place of sensitivity or care um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's uh pure and i think like you're saying as well it's just i think this example is particularly hilarious because they just make some <laughs> it just doesn't go with like 
like the shadows and stuff <laughs> he's sh- done it just makes it worse it's shocking just makes the art bad <laughs> that uh, so my favorite out of all of these it's the nudity <laughs> oh that that one is amazing is spectacular because it does completely just fuck up that drawing <laughs> It does. So they've there's there's this image, and I'll I'll pop this in the show notes so you can have a look, guys. But the, there's this one panel um, where there's sort of like a monster, uh, like a horror monster that's uh, naked, and uh, the the like the bullpen have covered up her boobs with her hair in like a completely different brush <laughs> and like color. And then they've put like a loincloth on her. It's like it's like big pants. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like big like undies. It kind of reminds me of I don't know if you've ever seen those like uh, speaking of uh, conservative Americans. Um, the like there's a movie there was a mermaid character. I have to find this, uh, but they like CGI'd her butt out. And covered it up with hair. And this is like so incredibly comparable to it. Hang on, I've got to look it up. Uh, so I thought this was the original edit, but this is Disney uh, when they've put this movie Splash on their streaming platform. They've done, I guess, the equivalent of this, but not racially motivated. This is just like a pure um, puritanical kind of cover up where they've added hair to her butt. Man, it's next level. <laughs> no, I got to it. It's great. <laughs> to watch it again, How shit actually. is that? It's... Uh, you know, it's exceptional. Yeah. The same amount of censorship. <laughs> to what end, though, truly? Yeah, and I think it really does just, you know, his uh, illustration just, um, I think that it's, so these drawings are black and white, you know, not they're not actually, there. there's red in them. Um, they're largely black and white, and he's paid quite a lot of attention to getting, you know, making it tonally work for those values. Um, there's a lot of, like, black in that background, meaning that <laughs> the hair and pants that they've added just really make the image hard to read as well (laughs) um, it's impossible to know what you're looking at yeah like uh, the angle that she's at is quite clear in the first one in the second one it looks like she's maybe shorter or something or you can't really tell what's going on yeah I'm really um, obsessed with uh, I'm a bit obsessed with it actually like how um, editing some art can make it sort of really awful like i don't know if you're familiar with um the recoloring of the incal by mobius no no i'm not um i'll try and find it's it, this is some good stuff <laughs> um so yeah he's like known for being just really good at drawing um i think as far as i know he colored the, the original um it's just done nicely in like relatively flat colors um and they released an anniversary <laughs> uh, version <laughs> and they got somebody to just completely recolor the whole thing send you a link it's not oh so this oh. is like exceptional because they've actually made his art <gasps> look bad like 
His drawings Holy actually look shit. like bad drawings from this coloring. And in a way, oh. I think that's actually quite artistically interesting, like how <laughs> a drawing that is uh, pretty nice and readable. Um, like, so with those clouds, for instance, they're going at a particular angle and there's a very strong sense of uh, perspective going on there. And it's completely just re recontextualized by the shading, <laughs> which is just makes them look like embossed kind of they're like glowy like <laughs> they're ski okay so this is this is mobius's uh work he's got some characters chatting to one another like a side-by-side -side comparison one has like these gorgeous lush you know sort of like reds and pinks and warm tones and you know the characters like they've got like you know they're like aesthetically nice to look at and the next one over the recoloring of it man this makes me respect colorists so much holy fuck um <laughs> <laughs> that is truly an art unto itself have you ever um, used the uh, clouds filter on photoshop it's like this three it's almost 3d what they've tried to mm. do like make this really nice flat image into like yeah, some sort of airbrushed version. And it's ugly. It's ugly, Sajjad. <laughs> it's, it's I can't believe I've never seen this that. before. Oh, there's so many more examples. I'll send you more later. It's oh my god, please good. do. But yeah, I, I enjoy seeing, I think like that uh, previous image you're looking at, just um, how, yeah, you can actually just kind of ruin <laughs> the meaning of like uh, yeah, lines just by coloring it wrong um you can see and like you know you guys should check out the comment section of this thread because it is really interesting to see the way people interpret the same image completely mm. differently you know yeah it's a weird world out there man. <laughs> and you know like as someone who has you've been in amongst it like what your experience was like working with you know these kinds of like behemoth businesses that do have to constantly you know all of the checks and balances like was this a similar kind of experience for you um i didn't have to actually talk much to people but my impression that i did get briefly doing some coloring was that i think i touched on this earlier i can't remember if it was while we were recording or not but um just that yeah the bigger the company the kind of worse <laughs> they are to work for <laughs> this has been my experience <laughs> And yeah, just in terms of organization and stuff, it just seemed like a mess. Um, and I remember being a bit frustrated with like, in terms of getting paid, it seemed like I'd sort of have to email one person about it. And that seemed like almost a bit of a shady route, not shady route, but I think it was separate. There's another sort of editor saying, oh, you should do it like this for me, because uh, my laptop at the time was dying. It just wasn't convenient for me to like upload these files in this certain way or whatever and this other editor said paid like this it's fine uh, and she actually left or moved projects at some point so one of my invoices wasn't getting paid and i sort of had to message someone else someone it's just that kind of thing just yeah just uh it was a very catch-22 situation at the time because i think to have continued work doing more work for them i sort of needed a new laptop which i couldn't get because they hadn't paid me <laughs> Um, God, this is the freelancer's curse, man. <laughs> yeah, so I I think that made me almost think it's not, it just seemed very messy. I'm not like, they did pay well, DC in particular. I don't 
know about Marvel or any of the others. Yeah, I mean, that's a tricky thing with the comic arts and stuff. So I'm not like, I think I wouldn't mind doing some covers for things. I'm much more inclined to do that kind of work now because it's a lot less batch production-y, I guess. Um, and you don't have to work with other people, which I hate doing. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of stuff give this man a small windowless room and yeah. he is thriving <laughs> <laughs> like would you call something like that financial stability or was it sort of the same level of freelancing as you might find yourself in now i mean it's it's hard to say with that because i think had i been working on a better laptop at the time maybe it would have been um i think it wasn't actually even though it was you know good to get uh, pay that money the amount mm. it was eating into my time not ideal just i think now maybe it'd be okay um but i think i'm kind of happier <laughs> just uh <laughs> i think like i was saying just having sort of relatively smaller independent clients um it's a very sweet spot because it's not as much money usually but they normally you know they'll normally pay what i ask for um yeah and you know i don't I have, you know, my limits, etc. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's some flexibility, but um, yeah, just get treated with some respect, <laughs> that kind of thing. Some communication as well, uh, that that kind of stuff. Um, being hired by a client for your art style versus mm. being hired by a client to do their art style. Um, yeah. Something that I have struggled with over my career doing freelancing where and I think I'm only just now kind of starting to be hired by people going, we love this, mm. you know, sending me references of my own artwork versus sending yeah. me other people's artwork <laughs> as <Jeez>. references <laughs> for like working on something, uh, something Sam and I talked about in the last episode, mm. um, like weird crossing over thing where you've got to try and seek out and i and it's why i see so many artists like yourself going into these personal commissions rather than these sort of more hmm. commercial commissions because you are being commissioned by people who are already fans of your work they're not trying to get you to interpret their vision of something they want to see your vision you know and that's yeah. um I, I would do personal commissions only if it was like financially viable or like sustainable that's it's so much fun um and yeah like everyone that's asked for a personal ambition from me has been so much more professional and just normal <laughs> than any company <laughs> that's so awesome man it's I, nice it's nice when things just work out you know? <laughs> I know i think i do have a i do see lots of people accepting personal commissions via dm and that kind of thing and i think definitely setting up a wall around yourself as an artist <laughs> oh my god um, the, the room just dropped like two degrees your tone changed yeah. so, <laughs> we we must set boundaries between us and our customers i think yeah definitely being neurotic paranoid distrustful person uh, <laughs> is the best way to go really uh i have very long text that people have to read before they person uh, buy a personal commission from me. And it probably means I don't get as many personal commissions as I could, but it does mean that the people who do commission me tend to be 
pretty lovely people. A lot less yeah. people wasting your time if they understand your boundaries. Exactly, and they, I think they understand what kind of um, information I need, etc. Yeah, I think that's just a huge, it sort of um, reduces the amount of email tennis that you have to play. Um, yes, which we can't charge for, unfortunately, exactly. so much of the time. You should see some of these, man. And I'm like... So many smiley faces, so many <laughs> exclamation marks. I'm like trying to be succinct, but I can't. I can't put on business voice. It's like physically impossible for very, me to do yeah, it. It's difficult. I think. Yeah. I used to. Have oh, them. you've seen my emails. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what is this psycho talking about? <laughs> I I did used to have an artwork form um, that I'd send to people. So that was like a Google form, and that's more for non-personal commissions. Um, was that good for you? It was, actually. Um, I found it useful for... Yeah, it was just asking, what size do you want your image? <laughs> how many images do you want, etc. I don't know how useful it was, because I think some people were very reluctant to fill it out, or... It suddenly became sort of formal. Yeah, and... Which is a bit of a shame, because I think it's a... I think now I've kind of adapted into asking the same questions in an early email requiring maybe certain criteria of information yeah so that i can give them a quote that kind of thing um yeah like time saving stuff really yeah it's like i I've, I've found like trying to get the crucial information out of them mm. in a way that doesn't feel too formal so that they feel offended by it but it's suddenly becoming a transaction which it is Hmm. um but also you know it's it's like you don't want them to lose the dopamine hit Mm. of this feeling like (laughs) a really nice lovely thing that they're doing because it is Hmm. it is all of those things Uh, some people have trouble seeing that those things can be true simultaneously exactly yeah if you know the moment you start putting on like business phoebe voice or whatever they'll be like oh well you know, this no longer feels like a favor. Yeah. <laughs> this feels like a transaction. I don't know. You you know what I'm getting. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I think, um, you're saying before, it does take up so much time just uh, writing emails in a way, especially down the line when, like, maybe a loss of clarity and with clients and things, and you may need to straighten things out. Um, I've definitely had to, like, run emails by friends uh, last year, just being like, am I being a bit impolite here? Like, I love that. I think, yes. uh, I think there was one point when I was very tempted to even copy and paste something they had said. <laughs> I, yes. I didn't because... Oh, yeah, 100%. You're good. like, as per my last email. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just one of those things where, unfortunately, I, I did have that feeling of, you know, these people, they, they talk. <laughs> and yes. I wouldn't mind getting more yes. of this work. Last thing I need is for... Yeah, one of them to just just say that I'm rude or something or whatever. I totally get that. It's um, it's this sort of cruel twist of fate, running an arts business, right? Mm. Where at its core, it's a business of building and maintaining relationships. Artists who are famously <laughs> antisocial, <laughs> <Yeah>. maldeveloped, <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, like not necessarily best equipped for administration and all of that kind of stuff that sort of needs to come part and parcel. I remember having this client and I had been working with them for some time, like over this big project 
and you know we developed like a pretty good relationship and I sort of like asked for feedback something that I never do with clients something that I wish that I had the guts to do more of but I just like I hate I like I can take criticism but I'm like also oh man I just I just don't want my feelings hurt so much of the time I don't want to hear the truth sometimes <laughs> but so I asked this client for some feedback because I didn't understand why I was chosen for this this particular mm. project I was like you know why why like little little old Phoebe didn't make any sense to me and she was like well you know obviously we like your work we like what you do that stuff's great but to be perfectly honest with you is because you were lovely mm. it's because you were really easy and nice to work with and you weren't cunty on the phone and you didn't demand a bunch of shit from us and you responded to your emails promptly you picked up the phone when we called like this stuff that is so like basic yeah you know, that I had, had never kind of considered as, in, in fact, I'd always considered to be quite a flaw in, mm. in my business where I was sort of, you know, too much of a pushover or whatever. I needed to be like more of a freaking girl boss and, you know, like <laughs> negotiate better and, and harder and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it turned out that the opposite was, was actually true in this particular case. I don't know if it's always that way. Sometimes I think I scare people off with my, yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> with my attitude. It's a balancing act, I think. Um, yeah, that kind of thing just it, it works differently for different people. And I think, yeah, unfortunately for me, like yeah, being present is a, <laughs> like kind of a necessity when you're working with them. Uh, people and yeah which is why i maybe didn't get to uh with copying and pasting something they'd said previously uh, contrary to what they're asking that kind of thing um, i think you would have made the right choice there <laughs> yeah. I, I think i i think i could have like just put on pure like lawyer mode <laughs> brain uh, just to be pedantic and make them feel bad about themselves <laughs> um, but i wouldn't I have mean, achieved but anything wouldn't it other just than, feel so good yeah it would have felt great but <laughs> <laughs> So, John, I want to ask, uh, do you have anything you want to plug uh, that you want to share with our listeners? Mm. I know this is the most annoying thing and question generic in the world. I'll add all of your links in the show notes. Um, but is there anything that you're working on that you are excited to talk about or share? I wish there was. That's very sweet. Um, I I think, yeah, just click those links <laughs> and look at my art. Uh, <laughs> that, that's it, really. That's the spirit. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, thank you so, so much for joining me today. No, thanks for having me. So, so grateful for all of your insight and your storytelling. And I implore everyone to go check out Sajan's stuff. <laughs> the Procreate brushes uh, that I started using are so sick, by the way. I've had so much fun playing around with those. So I would recommend just having a play around with them because it's just fun as hell. Um, thanks again for listening guys and um, check out my Patreon that I have just launched. I'm going to be doing some bonus episodes of the podcast and I've got some digital content like some videos and process stuff so if you want to see like all of the I mean like we were talking about before all of the like dirty <laughs> ugly sketches that kind of you know happen before you get to see all the good stuff uh you get to see how the sausage is made um it's a it's a hoot
Thanks for listening. Have a good night.